<laughs> our, our message today, <laughs> our message this morning is, of course, taken from the Gospel of Luke, verse, beginning of verse 26 through, uh, I won't read it all through 38, but there's one section that I want to just kind of touch on for a few minutes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. One of the things is um, kind of impressed upon me this, this Christmas season is that Jesus is born a savior. Now, sometimes whenever we think of ourselves, we grow into becoming something. You know, we start out and, you know, as a child and you have all these desires, what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to be a fireman, an astronaut. I want to be uh, a preacher, uh, a pastor, a doctor. Um, evidently, and honestly, I never thought I would be a preacher. <laughs> And I was one of those, where Bobby, he went downstairs, but I was always deathly afraid to get up in front of people. And, um, you know, Christmas was the most wonderful time of the year when it was over for the Christmas play on Sunday, you know. Uh, and so that's when it became wonderful because you had to stand up in front of people and they wouldn't let you take that little piece of paper up there. You had to memorize it. That was tough. <laughs> we had it hard back in those days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we walked to school uphill both ways, you know. So, you know, it was hard, it was difficult. But whenever we see ourselves growing and becoming, you know, we study, we, we strive, we take tests, we go to school, we, you know, go on whatever we do and we keep studying and improving our skills and things like that to become better at. Well, Jesus is born a savior. He didn't have to become a savior. He didn't have to grow into being Jesus of Nazareth. He is the savior. He is always, has always been and always will be the savior. Whenever we think of uh, you know, some people in their criticisms, and this morning in our Sunday school class we did the... Um, uh, what Christmas and how the tra traditions of Christmas came about. And it was a great little video, took 45 minutes, but it's uh, about children and how you know, it's kind of have puppets and a lot of things going through, educating us about where the tree came from and St. Nicholas and all those different things were there. And over the years, I've, you know, been privileged to hear people's criticisms of Christmas and, you know, uh, all the reasons why it, you know, shouldn't be celebrated and things like that and reasons why it should be celebrated. Well, in this little video this morning, it, it, it helped us understand those things and really give some meaning to it. But we find that Jesus is a Savior. He is the Savior. 
He came as the Son of God. He came as God made man and dwelt among us. And whenever we think that of, of something becoming, that isn't what Jesus was doing. Jesus is the Savior. Now, uh, some critics have stated that, well, God had a plan, and when Adam and Eve sinned, well, then God had to come up with a secondary plan, and it's not true. The, the scripture tells us that before the foundation of the world, before anything began, Jesus was and is to be the Savior. He knew, God knew that mankind was going to sin, that man was going to fail, but he still had to give him that opportunity. But before man was ever created, Jesus is the Savior. It was planned that he would come and be the ransom for our sin. So it isn't like there's a, uh, an afterthought that somehow God came up with the idea, well, you know, oh, I really wasn't planning on this, you know, <laughs> Adam and Eve and eating the apple, you know, and, you know, it wasn't an apple, it was the fruit of the tree. Uh, but anyhow, there was this plan, and, and God didn't plan for man to sin, and here they sinned, and here, what's he going to do now? We've got to come up with an alternative. Well, before there was sin, there was God, and before there was the fallen angel, Satan, Lucifer, there was God, and God, in having all of his knowledge, you know, I always emphasize that God doesn't remember the past. He doesn't see into the future. God has all knowledge. So God has all knowledge, and in that knowledge, he plans, and he knows exactly what will happen and how it will happen. And so wherever we are at in our life, it's not a surprise to God. So here we are in our life, and here we are at whatever, whatever place we may find ourselves in, whether it's going to school and standing up and doing things or playing the piano or whatever, being at work, looking forward to retirement. <laughs> you know, whatever we're at, it's not a surprise to God. So here we are in this place in our life. God has promised, and you see, whenever we think of Jesus' Savior, he has come to save us from our sins. But we also know Jesus is counselor. He didn't become wise with the studying of books and things. He is counselor. He is prince of peace. Jesus is peace. You see, sometimes we think of it in the context, well, Jesus will be my savior if I confess my sin. No, Jesus is savior. We can't change who God is by who we are. God is who he is, and we are accepting of that into our lives. We are accepting of who Christ is. And so we, we think of what we, whenever we look at ourselves, what do we need? <laughs> well, we need forgiveness. Well, we need peace. We need wisdom. We need, what do we need? <laughs> Pardon? Grace, mercy. You know, those, are, those words are really influential in our life because Whenever we read about Mary, she is one who is highly favored of God. She is one who is highly favored. It means that the grace of God is, so much, is on her life and that she becomes this person whom God has chosen then to be the mother of himself. 
that Jesus, God became flesh and dwelt among us, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and conceived in her, conceived in her Christ. Well, in our lives, there is the Holy Spirit coming upon our life and the word of God that has been spoken, the promise of God that God gives to us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that in my problem I have the conception of the word, I can do these things in Christ. See, that's the Holy Spirit conceiving in us the word. And the word then produces an action. An action that says, I will go forward. I will do these things. I will work at these things. I will learn these things. And so whenever we find that I'm highly favored, you see, you are highly favored of God because he loves you. And that, when I, when I think of that quote, that, that God, for God so loved the world, when John the Apostle writes in the book of Revelation and in the book of, in the book of John, he, he talks about the disciple whom Jesus loved. Okay? The disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, also when Lazarus was dead, had died, or was sick, put it there, his sisters sent word to Jesus and told him, your friend that you love, Lazarus, is sick. The one that you love is sick. And John says, he's the disciple who is loved by Jesus. And what he's doing, is, it isn't that he's being arrogant, he's just recognizing the position that he has. That he loves Jesus, but more importantly, he understands that Jesus loves him. Hmm. And, it, you know, we, we try to put this in a perspective, well, you know, I love Jesus, I've showed up at church today and I put a few bucks in the offering, I gave him a tip, and you know, everything's good, right? You know, between me and God, everything's good. That isn't what he's looking for. He's looking for our heart to be open. And what was open in Mary's life was that she was an ordinary, as it seems, an ordinary person who was extraordinarily committed to following the laws of God and wanting to be pleasing to God. And she recognized that she loved God and that God loved her. And Jesus is Savior. He is the lover of my soul. He is the one who loves me for who I am. And there is no greater understanding, I think, of ourselves is that God, the one that you love, me, is standing here in need of your spirit. And whenever we are praying, it's God, the one that you love, you and I, me, this is the need that I have before you. It's like Mary and Martha, Jesus, our brother that you love is sick. And for us, whenever we pray, it's like, Jesus, the one that you love, you know, I have this need. I'm taking this test on Monday at school. I'm God, Jesus, the one that you love, I have this conflict at, at, the, at the work. Uh, I need your help. Jesus, the one you love, I want to 
talk to someone today about you. Give me the wisdom, the guidance, the peace. The wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. You see, Jesus, the one that you love, I need to know more about this. I need, to, I need to have an experiential understanding that you are the wonderful counselor. I need the counsel of your Holy Spirit. I need the counsel of your word. And you see, if we understand, if we get this, un, this thing that in, our, in our heart to saying, Jesus, the one that you love, if we start our prayers with that, if we start our prayers, we're not being arrogant. We are recognizing what God feels about us. Most of the time, sometimes we're trying to convince God that we love him. <laughs> you know, why do we try to convince God about something he already knows? <laughs> why do we try to convince God? Well, you know, God, I, I, I'm this and I'm that. And he already knows our thoughts and the intents of our heart. He already knows what we're feeling and thinking and what we want and what we're dreaming and the things that are not good in our life and we're trying to do and he's trying to prevent us from. You know why God, the, the reason God gives us the commandments that he says, don't do this. Don't lie, don't bear false witness, don't commit adultery, don't, don't steal, don't do these things. God is trying to protect us not only from the actions that those things produce that in our life, but the, is it where the blowback, the, the backdraft of a fire, you know, there's a movie, something like that, backdraft. But anyhow, it's like an explosion, and there's not only is the explosion, there's the percussion, the, the, you know, the blowout from there. Whenever God is trying to protect us from that type of blowout from breaking the commandments, so God is saying, don't do that. It's destructive. Not only the igniting of that bomb of sin, but the explosion, the, what's that called? It's called that. <laughs> what is that? The, you know, whenever the, the, the current blows out from a, from a bomb or whenever, you know, anyhow, not going to go there. But don't get caught in it. <laughs> so we find ourselves, God is telling us because he loves us, he doesn't want us to go there. And so whenever we find our place and we're offering our prayers, Jesus is born a Savior. He is born the Savior. He is born the Prince of Peace. He is born the Everlasting Father. He cannot stop being who he is. He gave up all of that to become like us, but is still part of his DNA. <laughs> So he lived a sinless life so that he can help us become who we need to be. So, Jesus, the one you love, me, standing here in need of you. So, that's the Part of the message <laughs> of what we want to give today, that he, whenever we offer our prayers, could we just start by saying, Jesus, the one you love, me, <laughs> this is the need that is in my life. And from there, lay it out before him.
Amen? Jesus, the one that you love, each of us, we have our needs. We have the people in our life that need your touch and need your healing virtue, need your healing presence. God, I pray that as we speak their name to you, this person that you love, I pray, God, that you will heal their bodies. I pray, God, that you will make a way for them. I pray, God, that you will supply their every need. I pray that they will find peace in this Christmas season. Jesus, I thank you that you love me, not for what I can do, but because of just who I am. You love me. So God, I ask your blessing upon our lives and upon each of us as we serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.